podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, welcome back to Heart and Hand Extra. This is live for the first time in about six months, I think, so bear with us if I've done anything wrong there, but... Yeah, welcome to the show. Joining me, we have, first of all, Ross Hutton. Ross, how are you doing? Wonderful, thank you, mate. Good to see your two smiling, handsome faces tonight. Yeah, two nights in a row. You're a lucky boy. Um, <laughs> and, of course, we have Martin Ramsey. Martin, how are you? Very well, mate. Just about thawed out after last night. And um, I'll take smiling, handsome any day. It doesn't happen very often. But, uh, yeah, good to be with you, gentlemen. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yes, all three of us were at Rugby Park last night for, I was going to say... Um, uh rudimentary win but it ended up a little bit more awkward than we would like for those last 10 minutes and martin it's a little bit of a theme we've been speaking about this rangers pattern where we might lose a goal we might lose our heads we might make a mistake we'll have a little cluster of whatever you want to call it 10 15 minutes where we might get a goal or two they don't always happen in the same order but more often than not we're having all of those things in the same game we got it again last night um i have to say outside of the first 15 minutes in the last 10 I thought we were comfortable so if we take a positive for it that comfortable period is expanding mm. we're not quite getting mm. the 90 minutes but it just seems to be happening all the time just now when all of those things happening in one game yeah you're right we we're nowhere near 90 minutes yet but that's that's fine it's still a, a manager coming in assessing what he what he's got and we know the issues of the squad those weren't going to be fixed immediately um I agree with your your assessment about how how often we were we were in trouble. Um, you could balance that out by saying, "Well, Kilmarnock had what they wanted early, so why would they continue to to to, to look for that?" And then kind of threw caution to the wind at the end, didn't they? Um, and got a nibble, got something, and they felt, "Well, you know, why not we'll have, a, have a, a real go at this?" And those nerves, I'm pretty sure I wasn't the only one. Um, uh, a little twitchy, um, especially one. And you'll have to forgive me because I was in row C. I think we, I think you, you boys were quite down the front as well. So not exactly a, a great um, vista of the pitch, but uh, there, there was a shot where my mind, like a Vietnam veteran, went back to Easter Road in August, um, just seeing that spin off and and, and, and beyond McLaughlin. So um, there were those moments, but yeah, we we had uh, we were settled, um, and but still in those those little busted goals didn't come in those clusters that they they have done quite a lot but the chances did especially after the the, the half turn of one um yeah I don't, was there anything new there boys than we've, we've no. seen before ross i think i know the chance that martin's talking about i'm pretty sure you turned around to me you on the road but in front of me and turned around and went that was one of those that you can't really get the the depth of the pitch and that could have yeah. went anywhere i think yeah the... what you what you said there though it kind of speaks to that last 10 minutes so let's chat about that because we did have um control uh, until that point where do you stand on that second goal we'll come to the first one from my point of view I think the way that that ball comes in Ben Davies finds himself sort of caught between two players um, and I think it's Ash Taylor gets gets the jump on him um, we're already seeing we're, we're still seeing more people having concerns with with Davies in, in the air etc where do you stand on that one obviously once that ball then drops it's a terrific finish I'm not sure anybody can do anything about that in, in terms of the finish left footed um from from there but where do you stand on that in terms of 
is that goal and error getting to that point or is that just one of those that unfortunately happens? Um, you could definitely make a case for both. I, I mean, I'm very much the kind of person who would say in every type of goal we can see there's a point of failure somewhere. So if you wanted to try and point fingers at an individual and try and appoint blame in that sense, then yeah, you could make that criticism at Ben Davies. And I think there's been a lot of chat and there's a lot of discourse around is he aggressive enough? Ben Davies, especially in, in his aerial duels, does he get up and challenge for the ball in the same way that a lot of the other kind of defenders or attackers in the league will do? So um, I don't think that's as big a concern for me. I, could he have done better with the header? Probably. Absolutely. You're right. When the ball falls, it is a screamer of a finish. I'm not going to appoint too much blame there. But I'm not going to stand and say that's a an utterly preventable goal that it's an absolute disgrace to concede. I don't really believe that whatsoever. Could Ben Davies have done better in the air? Probably, um, and I think people will use that as a point to try and make that he isn't aggressive enough, but that's not really a, con- a concern that I overly share. Adam, I don't know where you stand on it. I think what Ben Davies offers us is tremendous on the ball, for example. I think he's still adjusting to the league, and we need to remember that. He didn't come in and have that settled start that we would have liked him to. And I think on the overall, the bigger picture, the partnership that he's building with Conor Goldson is a relatively solid one. I know it's made sound uh, churlish to say that after conceding two goals last night. But as I say, I think the general direction of travel there is incredibly positive. I would push that question to, to Martin. Does Ben Davies have to be as aggressive as fans want him to be? We have Conor Goldson there, who is the dominant centre-half, who'll come and win those balls. It's not quite. It's not like we've got Carol Svensson there. Um, yeah. For me, I don't think that's the debate. So if you look at that partnership, and we spoke about this before, but if you look at the partnership of Conor Goldson as that, I can't say no-nonsense defender because that's a, a detriment to him, but that sort of all-round defensive stalwart that you want, who is still good on the ball, for what we want to do, having someone whose major benefits are playing out from the back, playing passes, etc., compared to, not necessarily that he's terrible in the air or, or he's, he's not very physical, but does he need to be a warrior next to Goldson? We can get away with that, I think, personally. I would agree, generally. I think we're always looking at balance. We we don't have all the riches in the world where you can buy the complete player. There aren't many that exist. Even the, the, the top elite clubs have to make those trade-offs for probably exactly the same reasons we're talking about, especially in defence. How good are they at just being able to um, to start play? But David's distribution is um, very impressive. I've, until last night, I felt this was maybe a wee bit overblown. He's, he's, he's weakness in the era. I felt that he, he's been all right. Last night was a wee bit of a worry. I think it's one of his poorest games in that respect. Um, I don't know if the pitch has much to do with that or if it's just in the head that, right, you're new here, Ben. This is a horrible fixture, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And um, Keith mentioned about set pieces. We all feel it. The <laughs> the last, the closing stages of Sunday, we all felt it, I'm sure. Um, we did not have this assurance that we were going to, you know, see it out. Um, I think both Goldson and Davies can be a better partnership than they showed last night. I think you're right. I think if, if Goldson is comfortable in that, that, that leadership role, um, I think there's an issue behind them. I think a lot of the set-piece stuff and a lot of the aerial stuff comes from playing A with a, a different keeper game by game. Yeah. And secondly, neither of them particularly excelling at the moment, especially in that regard. And I, I don't care who you are as a centre-half pairing. Uh, if you don't 
have that cohesion and knowledge and intuition and awareness and confidence that what's behind you will will take care of that if 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 one of you don't or just knowing where each other is that can't help either um but i certainly would be pressing the panic button on on that partnership personally no i think it, it it's fine it will grow it will develop ross just put on about okay we've conceded um some goals but i think we can see things working there and as martin has mentioned let's come on to the goalkeeper situation um i've been vocal that i think john mclaughlin has been hard done by um just been thrown out after the ix games he has come in a couple of times and done absolutely nothing wrong um there's a personality thing there that i think people just can't get on board with i don't think they like that that type of quieter um, goalkeeper, you could argue maybe the defence don't like it or aren't used to it as well there's certainly, there are two polar opposites in terms of personality and probably goalkeeping style um, we moan when McGregor comes for the ball, we moan when McGregor doesn't come from the ball, then we see that first goal and McLaughlin comes for it, last night I don't think his starting position when he came for the ball was, was terrible I think if he comes out that far he probably needs to get it but at the same time um, if he was standing on his line and that situation happened, I don't think he's saving that either. So I'm a little bit torn on that. Um, what I'm not torn on is that last 10 minutes or so from McLaughlin because what I've advocated is good on the ball, will help us recycle play. We can use him as that sort of um, sweeper keeper, if you like. But those last five minutes where he just hooked that that chance and uh, he, hooked, he hooked the clearance and it nearly went in um, from whoever it was that, that had the shot and then playing Barisic into trouble on that left-hand side as well. Those are the things that he's meant to be good at, and he had a very shaky night on those. So I'm maybe more concerned about those, but we just can't get this keeper situation right with the set pieces. It's either glued to your line or you come and you don't get it. Um, and I think it sums up the situation at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Michael Beale's been very vocal in the sense that he believes that he has three number ones. And I think we can all be honest here it's a safe space as Rangers fans I don't think we believe that Michael Beale currently has three long-term number ones now Robbie McCrory is hard to assess because we've not really had a chance to do so but we have seen a hell of a lot of Alan McGregor and John McLaughlin and you're right there's there's pros and cons to both I'm kind of in the same camp as you Adam I've been a long-term advocate I think what John McLaughlin gives you especially on the ball is a massive plus point in his camp coming for crosses he's usually very solid at but you're right, people just haven't taken to him for one reason or, or another. I think kind of half the problem with last night as well is it wasn't just a came, uh, a case rather that he came and flapped at that one cross. There was one moments before it as well that Kamarnock really should have scored from again from a set piece that John McLaughlin didn't cover himself in glory in. So I believe Michael Beale said Alan McGregor's back in for the weekend. And I think part of the problem we might have going forward is this chopping and changing of goalkeepers. Now, if anyone remembers back to just before Gerard left, we were seeing this quite a lot as well and conceding ridiculous goals all the time. Because you're right, Martin, the back four has no confidence in what's behind them. And I think when we were going for the league, obviously when we won 55, you had Alan McGregor behind them on a near permanent basis and you had that cohesion as a back five pretty much. If you're not allowed or afforded the opportunity to try and build that cohesion as a back five, then you're not giving yourself a chance to build those solid foundations. So for me, I would like to see Michael Beale make a decision either way, one way or another, 
and try and just make that that big call and say, okay, you are going to be my long-term number one, at least until the end of the season, when we can try and reassess that as an issue, because it is an issue. But the chopping and changing of goalkeepers on a regular basis, I don't think helps at all Golden and Davies in that previous conversation. Build that cohesion and try and build that trust in what's behind them. So whether it's going to be Alan McGregor and you compromise the, the on-ball value in the coming for crosses, or whether it's going to be Job McLaughlin, one way or another, I'd like to see that decision made. Because I'm not really seeing the the massive amount of benefits right now with this chopping and changing. Adam, I think that, that you spoke about John McLaughlin's personality and fans, even when he was playing fine, um, fans taking up uh, a, a while to, to come around. At this club, if you if you're you're not signed as a number one, the only way you're going to become number one and be accepted is if you're a kid and you've you've come through and you've been kind of spectacularly Alan McGregor did. He's back up, he was signed as backup, and that's the impression. Yeah, that, that that fans had, and it's almost impossible to to escape that unless you you really are a superstar and 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 do the kind of things that that, that Griggsy did, um, and and that's been I think that's been impossible for him to really shake off, and I imagine not entirely brilliant for for, for confidence as is the, the the chopping and changing that we've spoken about. I was just about to say there are we. And I mean this as 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 the management team, not not we. But are are they creating a a rod for their own back, Martin? Because Scott says swapping goalies games about isn't good at any level. The decision on number one for the season needs to be made and accepted to keep as much cohesion and consistency as possible. I think we've we've sort of covered that piece. But as fans, we we, we tend to if we have two players vying for a position, we we want to pick our favourite. We we want to we want to entrench your opinion. We want to say, oh, I think this player's better. I did it on Saturday or Sunday at Hamden where I thought well McGregor could come for that ball. McLaughlin might come for that in terms of the ball coming out. There's a bit of confirmation bias, I think, there at play, Martin, and it's maybe these sort of unconscious biases that we have about my Rangers goalkeeper should do this or my Rangers centre-half should do that and then we work back from there. But because we're seeing both of them so frequently, there's not if that noise goes away, like if Morelos isn't playing and it's Cholak, the noise about, oh, Morelos is better at this than, than Cholak is or Cholak is better at this, it kind of disappears. If the management team pick one and stick with it, you can grumble a bit, but you know it's not going to change. But with this, there's just always a bit more noise about it. Do you think that's fair? That is fair. And it's it's modern football fandom. Uh, it's It's a vicarious hobby that we have anyway we don't control a thing and yet we have this emotional investment on a daily basis um so the real quiz for us is, is being right with each other with our friends and 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 um enemies um as so i told you told you he was the best and it, it's, it's it's you know social media's obviously blown that um wide open and you're right when that is a almost a weekly competition then that noise just just gets 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 more and more i don't think we've helped ourselves either I say we, sorry, the manager, um, in how he is, or what the, he said, well, you know, McLaughlin's came in, uh, Tanner Dice, for example, for set pieces. And then, I mean, Aberdeen pretty decent at set pieces and he, he wasn't there on, on Sunday. Yeah. And we were pretty dreadful at set pieces last night. And therefore, you're a special keeper, McLaughlin, you're a special set piece keeper. And therefore, yeah. it's your big thing. Um, so that that's that's an issue, um, and also, and it's a bit of a Gerardism as well. He's the best goalkeeper in Scotland or or whatever he said. You know, he's not. He's nearly my age, and yeah, th- that doesn't help this whole noise thing at all. This point from Ryan McGregor has a long history of moments in massive games in his back pocket. McLaughlin doesn't really produce those moments. He's a decent goalkeeper. That's it, unfortunately. 
absolutely, 100% get that. But then if you boil it down to we shouldn't be relying on a goalkeeper to have those moments, that's a, that's a fantastic thing to have. Outside of maybe a couple of games, you could argue McGregor doesn't McLaughlin doesn't really produce those moments. But is it maybe his positioning that makes something a little bit easier, or or is it this or is it that? There's all these things that I think we need to bear in mind. But I think, yeah, Rod for his own back with Michael Beale possibly. He then said today or insinuated that McGregor won't be there in the summer. I think we all know that, but he's probably insinuated that maybe we don't know that. We thought it last year. Um, this whole giving McCrory and, and McLaughlin a chance thing, Ross, that's the only sort of thing I can think of in terms of why he's been so bullish about the keepers is he wants four or five months. I'm sure we'll see McCrory um, a fair bit, judging by the mood music of what he's, he's saying when he comes back from injury. Um, is that a case that is a bit of an addition or is that just maybe making extra sure that they're definitely not the candidate for the number one before we go and bring someone in in the summer? I know what I think you're answer is going to be but what do you think the manager is thinking about it in terms of that yeah, well what the manager and what the player are thinking about it are two different things if you're Robin McCrory you need to view it as an audition there, there's no other way to look at it other than that you need to be viewing it as a chance to go and stake your claim as a long-term Rangers number one I think for uh, for the manager and definitely for me as a fan Again, not to try and be too negative, but as a couple of games here and there in the, the kind of dead end of a season when we don't have an awful lot to play for competitively in the league, is that really what you're going to stake your long-term claim on? Because I think whatever we do this summer, whatever decision we make, whether it is to go with Robin McCrory or it is to sign a new number one goalkeeper, it's for the long term, right? We need to have that in mind. We're not seeing a goalkeeper for the next one to two years here. Ideally, we want to sign one for the next four and five. So that's a massive decision to make and you're going to live and die on that hill as we are currently seeing now. So I think if you're the manager, you probably want that that level of certainty and assurance that I'm not sure this time period properly gives you in that respect to make that massive decision. But if you're Robbie McCrory, you need to try and do it as best you can. And listen, we could be sitting here in May saying, wow, Robbie McCrory's had an amazing three, four months. They are absolutely um, staked his claim to be the Rangers number one going forward. I don't think that's going to happen, but if you're Robin McCrory, you need to try and view it as an opportunity to go and make that happen. I think you're right, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Um, on to a similarly contentious um, topic, Martin, the Rangers central midfield. Um, central midfield bingo um, was Lundstrom, Kamara and Scott Arfield last night. Um I asked the manager on Tuesday, I tried to ask it in a, a less upfront way. I asked, do you feel, I know Stephen Davis is an important part of his plans, or he, he said they were going to be, do you feel that skill set is covered in-house, or will we look to bring someone in? Um, not quite sure what the answer was, but um, reports that have broken in the last couple of days, um, Nicholas Raskin, uh, standard Liège midfielder, 21, um, looks to be... Um, rumoured to whether it's coming in this window or whether it's the, the, the Bosman. I know we were very interested in the summer. So it looks to be like we will get reinforcements in there at some point. Um, but what do we think um, of the performance of the three that played last night? Repeat an old show. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same From five years ago. Um, yeah. you know, Jack probably didn't have it in him after a big shift on um, Sunday in a plastic pitch. And so it's really just 
swapping the deck chairs around. I've said many times, and I, I don't think it was really proven wrong last night. I just wouldn't start Scott Arfield anymore. Um, I genuinely do think he's he has an impact presence, and he, he has something. And been a couple of games now in the recent past where I, I, I expected him to come on at a point, and, and was surprised that he didn't because I, I felt he could offer us something really valuable. Um, so it, it's so flat. It's so plodding um we we this isn't a new conversation we was talking about it for years um someone in in that position that, that is comfortable and davis was and what servant he's he's been in various um uh different um spells with the club and a, a pretty tragic actually way to to to, to finish up as we assume that, that this is the end raskin or someone like that is what we've been crying out for for so long um, in terms of the age, in terms of the natural ability to take the ball from defenders who can pass it into a wee bit more advanced positions on the turn and of the vision to assist and to get moves going that aren't so blindingly obvious because that's what we do. Um, there's no variation there. There's not a lot of intelligence there. There's no incision there. Scottish football teams are not good when you run at them or when you play through them. They'll deal as much as possible with 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 cross balls and and um, overlapping fullbacks, whatever. So Raskin, we're, we'll just have to wait because we've heard this before. Um, but if that did come up, it signifies, as I said, a square peg in a square hole. Um, great. Uh, age um, and possibly for once and you can maybe make the argument for lunchroom as well um, but a, a friend of mine calls Rangers the kind of house of broken toys that we we, we we bring these players in who have they are damaged somehow yeah. usually fucking physically but they're, they're damaged in a way and mentally their career's not quite gone where it was supposed to have gone two or three years ago and we're going to you know um, rehabilitate and, and get this moving on we're, we're, we're always uh, I kind of care home for projects. This boy doesn't have any of those hang-ups as far as I'm aware. I have loads of um, um, experience for that age. Um, and it's kind of coming in ready-made. We've not had a lot of ready-made players without any any doubts. We're not having to say, if he stays fit, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be a turn. If he can get his mind right, he'll be a turn for you. Um, so this would, this would change. I know we're going to talk about Cantwell, who's obviously far more um, ahead in that 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 respect, um, you can sign all the attacking midfielders, forwards you want. If you don't build a platform for their work to be secure, and if you don't service them and feed them in different and more intelligent ways, it doesn't matter. I think just to echo that, sorry, Adam. We talk about the kind of softer skills a lot in football as well. And from what I've kind of seen and read of Raskin, I'm not going to sit and pretend that I've watched a whole hundred of his games with standard Liege, but I have tried to watch and, and read a fair bit about him when the when the links came in. Everyone says that he's a natural leader on the pitch. And this boy's 21. Yep. And how often have we, have we as fans sat and maybe questioned the, the leadership qualities on the pitch of that team? Because I don't think you can have enough and be brave on the ball. And Martin's right, drive at the heart of these boys. They are not very good. Raskin is incredibly brave on the ball and actually, funnily enough, one of the, the kind of criticisms of him, if you like, is that sometimes he can be a wee bit too ambitious 
on the ball. Now, to be too ambitious on the ball in this midfield of the Rangers team with the general lack of dynamism that we have, it's a wee bit like turning up to a job interview and saying that your biggest uh, fault is we, you know, working too hard. So I'm, I'm not going to worry about that at all. So I think that it's one of those kind of transfers where you can only really see positives from it. We were talking just before we came on, it, it feels a wee bit like the Hadji one in that sense. Yeah. But even then, Hadji had his drawbacks, Hadji had his flaws. He'd been away and he'd failed and he came back and they had that question mark. You don't really feel that we're asking at all. You can only see the potential upsides. So if it is one that we're seriously looking at and given the noise around him, that does seem to be the case. It's an incredible statement of intent. So I know I know more about Raskin weirdly than I, I do about uh, Todd Cantwell in recent times, or um, I was ready to say Forrest Whitaker there, but Morgan Whitaker, um, who I name who I hadn't even heard uh, a week ago. Never mind um, what he's been doing at, at League One level. So from what I have have seen of Raskin, um, I think you're both spot on. I, I was a bit concerned, as Martin said. But to me, Cantwell and Whitaker look like number tens, maybe like in where Kent and Sakala are playing um, at the minute. There is maybe an argument that Cantwell could play a little bit further back, but starting to get a little bit fed up of this Aribo, Lawrence, Hadji, Tillman thing. Are you playing here? Are you playing there? What are we going to do? We'll try something different. We've had a few years of it. Um, square peg, square hole is exactly what we're after, as, as Martin said. So, this Raskin one is very, very exciting to me. I think long-term listeners will know I've been after a, a central midfielder um, pretty much since summer 2019, I think it was, uh, in terms of this model. He does tick the boxes. Ross, in terms of profile, and and I mean that in a couple of different ways, in terms of selling profile, he is he appears to be a leader. He's very forceful. He's throwing the toys at the pram at standard Liège. You can see that as a positive or a negative to, to get his move. Um, he did want to go in the summer. I've got no idea what um, promises were made that maybe were broken or anything like that. He wanted to go for it in the summer. It was £6 million was the fee then. Who knows what it will be right now, given he has been frozen out and it is two weeks from basically them getting nothing. We'll have to wait and see. I'd imagine there's a bit of negotiating if we're trying to get him in in this window. But profile-wise, someone coming in who is 21, um, we can get two, two and a half years out of him and he'll still be 23, 24 can be sold on for, I was going to say multiples, but if we get him for a million or two, he can be sold on for quite a bit of money, hopefully. But more importantly, as Martin said, it is someone to come in and impact the team um, in a way that Tillman has done, uh, I think. And Tillman probably has impacted the team more than we thought for maybe a 20-year-old coming in with no senior-level football. This guy has 100 appearances for Standard Liège. He's played in the Europa League. Standard Liège are not even, I think, the team that we played a couple of years ago. I think they're, they're on a bit of a downward curve. But, still playing in that league. Um, so profile-wise from that side, I think it's quite good. Profile-wise in terms of the actual type of player, um, I think for me it is a passing midfielder, but it's also someone that's comfortable playing as a six or playing as a deeper midfield two with a partner next to him. Wins quite a lot of his duels, which I think is really, really key. Physical, aggressive, can play those sort of searching passes, but more importantly, Ross, kind of what I'm coming to is he gives us something that the midfielders don't at the minute, which is centre-backs have the ball, Ryan Jack and John Lundstrom are standing facing them, they pass the ball to them, they get the ball back, we try something else. Raskin has this ability that Barry Ferguson had to, I'll take the ball in and I'll spin on a sixpence and I will pass something somewhere. And once I pass the ball, I don't just stand there and admire it and go, that was a really great pass. I move to try and get 
the other option. So for me, I think it ticks all of those boxes, both in terms of I was wanting to be a selling team, but also in terms of getting a player in who can fill a much needed gap in the team. And that's the model. That's what the, the way it has to be the model. And I think when we talk about Rangers becoming self-sustainable as a club, a lot of that, especially for obviously what I do with the B team, I'm incredibly guilty of it, is just almost kind of boxing yourself into the thought of, okay, we're talking purely about our own internal youth development. We've got players coming through of a relatively similar age, for example, and that's incredibly encouraging. But the other half of that selling club model, that Ajax vacation that we like to bang on about with Rangers, mm-hmm. is buying players or acquiring them in any kind of sense, whether it's in this window or in the summer on a, on a Bosman, getting them in, young players, talented players, developing them in this league, in this kind of setting. They'll get European experience here as well. And then selling them on for multiple millions, hopefully down south. We've got the richest market you could possibly dream of in football at our doorstep on our fingertips. So this is the model going forward. And that's why I called it a statement of intent earlier on. Because for too long, we've not really been that great at it. You've got outliers and they're quite specifically Calvin Bassey, if you really wanted to go down that route of kind of getting them in young sheep, developing them on, selling them for a massive fee. But that is an outlier because I've not had an opportunity to do that on a regular basis yet. This signifies that kind of move that we are starting to look at that long-term vision. And I think we need to be quite comfortable and realistic about that as fans as well. That Listen, I would love Raskin to come in, be absolutely fantastic for Rangers and stay for the rest of his career because if he's going to be successful, then so are we. But that's just not the reality of the world that we live in. So if we can get a young player in, 21, fantastic pedigree. He comes here for two or three years and he's at an absolute prime age to be sold down south then that is absolutely what we should be doing. And I think from that point of view, everything, like you said, is incredibly encouraging. I'm not seeing any real downsides to this in the way that I do see with maybe some other transfers and names that we've been linked to. I think the Raskin, um, the rumours and the potential Raskin deal is possibly some of the best uh, business we'll have done in years. Yeah, it's just it's just exciting, isn't it, Martin? Like you said, it's not, it's not a broken toy. I, I think Todd Cantwell will be a, a good signing based on what we know, but... There are question marks there, like you, you've you've insinuated around. I don't know whether I would go as far as appetite in terms of appetite to be a, a footballer, but he definitely has had a, a difficult twelve to eighteen months um, there. So there's a bit of regeneration needed, a, a kind of arm around the shoulder, etc. We hear all this about Michael Beale being a really great developer of young talent. Well, if we get young talent in that is actually playing well and performing. Surely it stands to reason he can be a really good developer of, of them as well. It doesn't need to be someone that needs a cuddle and needs their career turned around. If you get someone in who's at their peak, then I think that's great. Um, Craig raises an interesting point on that as well, and it's something we spoke about earlier on. It was intriguing to me that the names being linked are number 10s, uh, strikers, sports strikers, etc. When we needed someone a little bit deeper, Raskin may be solving that, we'll see. But then also... <laughs> Our front three um, is the highest functioning part of the team right now. I would say Kent, Morelos and Sakala um, are playing well. Um, some of them in patches, but they're, they're playing well, but they're contributing. Both of them, all three of them are contributing goals and assists for the first time in a while. So that was interesting to me as well that, OK, it is probably the only three really that we've got available and fit. So it makes sense to bring some players in, but you can't deny that the three of them uh, are looking impressive Morelos maybe less so than the other two but had a great second half yesterday got those two goals um and and looked like that sort of player that that we know he can be the issue as we know is that doesn't come around as often as we want but certainly the front three I don't think are anywhere near an issue just now Martin 
<laughs> nowhere close. Um, add Tillman into that mix as well in terms of the, the, the kind of forward creative players that are um, becoming reliable again, becoming some, it, it, when you do get into a bit of a hole as we, we were in last night and have been in, um, either literally behind or just not really functioning as we were in that first half at Tanadice, for example, um, there's more and more confidence that, that Kent will do something, that he will kind of, you know, uh, it just takes a moment. That's how we're playing. We are playing in these little moments, these little bursts, uh, where all of a sudden you can just see confidence flood into those three in particular, um, where they'll try things and they'll execute. And it doesn't last for too long. It's thus far not needed to last for too long because they've, they've you know, given us what we've needed them to give us. Um, but yeah, it, it is curious. Does that suggest that? There's a bit of a longer term thinking than just to the end of May uh, with those three. Um, I would be surprised if all three are still Rangers players in August, I'll, I'll be honest. So um, it, it, it might speak to that. Um, listen, sorry to burst anyone's bubble. We're not really in a title race. So this January isn't really, uh, and, and, and you know, other than the Cups, it's not really about... Um, Given us that that bit of extra to, to to get over the line, it has to be a bit more longer term than that. Um, so so maybe read too much into to that, but but yeah, they 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 have kicked into life um, in their moments, um, and when they're in their moments, Adam, they're they're doing things on purpose, which is is nice to see. Rangers, I am sick to death, especially the fullbacks, of getting to in an area of the pitch. Swinging either right foot or a left foot at it, not even looking to see who's about, where will I go, what kind of pass is required here, where's that positioning. So I've got to this area, I'm digging this ball out, my job's done. It is just automated brainless frustration. And there are a few players that when they take possession of a ball in a dangerous area, have the vision to see what's going to work here. It's it's risk assessment. It's And the front three can, when they're not absolutely firing, usually in the first 45 minutes, by the way, especially Sakala and um, Morelos. They'll take shots when there is no shot on. There's literally a defender right in front of them. It's just that lack of composure, which in the second half, quite often, they show, and they show that bit of awareness. How can I use the ball? What is the best option for me right at this moment in time? Um, and just a wee bit more thought in general about how we build attacks would be wonderful to see. And if that comes from centre-halves, all the way through, then all the better for it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Ross, at times in that first half, it, it felt like Sakala was sort of running a one man, a one man team. I think we said he is. He's obviously very, very direct. We know what he is. We know what he isn't. Um, I do feel. I'm not sure. I know both of you guys have been um, maybe quite critical of him in the past. I do feel like with this run of games, he is starting to get there. I, I think against Kelly he didn't fall over the ball. I don't think once against Kelly, but um there wasn't um there wasn't as much chaos, I think. You look at the goal and it's a run in behind, great pass. He does that. Link up play, etc. looked okay. It is conceivable that he has a player who needs that run of games to sort of get in there. But regardless of that, you can see what the manager is trying to do there with him playing as that sort of hybrid linking between Morelos and, and Tillman or Morelos and Kent, um, however you want to you want to see it. So it's an interesting piece that because we're now obviously looking to bring in players like Whitaker to maybe 
replace or rotate with Sakala, but where he was and where he is at, at this point in time, I think he's improved a great deal over the last two, three months. Improved a great deal. It's night and day, Adam. Um, I think it, the, kinda, the first goal epitomised that for me last night, especially when I was watching it back today. Sakala gets the ball and he runs into that position in the box. How often have we seen fashion Sakala, like exactly what Martin said, not lift his head up and just smash it in a general aimless direction of the goal and it either goes wildly into the stands, hits your car, or maybe lucky and force a save for the goalkeeper. If you watch it back, Sakala kind of stops, puts his head up, fires it across to Morelos. Nice, easy, the thing. It's a simple tap-in for Ralphie from that point onwards. And I think that that kind of growth in Sakala, because let's be honest, composure is not a word that we have often associated with him. We've often been quite frustrated, actually, by his lack of composure in those kind of key areas. And you're right, didn't fall over the ball once last night. But I think you're kind of starting to see that growing into his game. Now, with this run of games, he seems more comfortable in the side, he seems more assured in the side, and the output we are getting off the back of that is quite tremendous, and you're right, I think I have been quite critical of him before because he frustrates me, and he does continue to frustrate me, because you can see what he can give us in terms of output. Now, you can maybe make the argument, and you probably be right to do so, that if he could give us that on a more consistent basis, he probably wouldn't be at Rangers, and I think now I'm kind of coming to the almost acceptance that Fashion Sakala is what he is, you're going to get those moments of utter madness where he might fall over the ball or just not lift his head and blast it in the aimless direction of a goal. But I think growing growing on me more and more is this kind of thought that, okay, that is definitely offset by what he can do on the ball, that fantastic goal at Tanadice, for example, the composure that he showed on the ball and in the box last night. So I think that I'm not just alone in that assessment either, kind of other Rangers fans and other people that I've been speaking to have said the same thing, that we are now starting to see the best of Sakala and what he can offer on a consistent basis. And you would like to think that if we do recruit someone who can come in and try and push him for that role, that will only improve him from that point onwards, but obviously that remains to be seen. Quite a high bar, isn't it? Not falling over the ball. <laughs> um, that's kind of where we are at the minute. How were Rangers last night? Well, none of them tripped themselves up and set themselves yep. in fire. So we, we, we call that a, a, a win. Adam, I, I, we don't have many players, if any, to be honest, where if they were out for a long time and you called you called them up and you sent them on, that they would just pick up where they left off the last time they were, they were on roof, the really? Yeah, it is roof. I mean, that, that's... That's just our luck at the moment. The most intelligent forward we have by some distance, and he's kind of made of elastic bands. But all of these players, pretty much all of them, the the Goldson maybe one that comes back and looks like he's not been away. But so many of them, they need they all need games. They all need that confidence because it's it's a squad bereft of it. So players that are what we're talking about ready made players that just ignite those around them. So they're all in that, or so many of them are in that boat where they they, they do need a run. And it's not just two or three, it's a run. Um, and that, that's difficult when you're at Rangers because you know we don't we don't have a lot of time to to to, to get things kind of moving. Um but yeah, it's it's happening at the moment. I, I can't remember a run of results like this, Adam, where we've played as badly <laughs> in all my days. Um so we write that bullet, but yeah. I think we've now surpassed the geo run pre last Christmas. I, I would say in terms of the results that we're clocking up, while still not being being fantastic. So yeah, uh, I think yeah that's fair. Uh, Gavin asks here um, with imminent additions in that number ten, how do you feel Sakala would perform as a nine on a regular basis? Um, I'll stick with you for this one, Martin. My my thoughts on that are it really depends what 
what we're talking about now, I think, in terms of how we want to play. I think we might need to reconfigure what we think these roles are going to be, just with the players that we have available. So when you think of Morelos playing as a number nine, it's different to Roof playing as a number nine, it's different to, to Cholak playing as a number nine. But also, if we are saying Whitaker is playing as that support striker or Tillman is playing as that support striker, we've got Kent behind in the 10 or we've got Lawrence behind the 10, different players in there will have different attributes that might make other players more efficient. Raskin being able to play balls from deep over the top might help Sakala in certain situations. I don't think link-up play-wise, Martin, I don't think he's he's at that level right now. Um, and for me, I would like him to be, if you look at it simplistically, someone bringing the ball in, playing it through for Sakala to run onto, I think is is the peak of what we're trying to do here. So as a as the kind of pure number nine, I don't think it's it's quite there for me, but things could change. I agree with you. A nine doesn't equal a nine doesn't equal a nine. And we, we, we have to uh, accept that. I I think we're getting the best out of him because he's having a run in, in a position. He wants to play nine, by the way. I mean, he, he, he said that months ago, but as, this was when Cholak was, you know, couldn't go a game without scoring and he just kind of laughed it off as like, you know, no chance. Um, I'm not convinced he is lethal enough. I think he's causing chaos. Um uh, in the right area of the pitch for that to happen, I'm, I'm not, I'm not convinced that's that's the answer straight through the middle. But then I'm not, con- I wasn't convinced that him pulling on a Rangers jersey was really the answer in any position not that long ago. So things do change, but that that's maybe that's maybe not. On I think it's um, Paul. I think on the on the, the, the chat that we can see the, the the viewers can't, but he does need space and. Um, whether he can create that space, whether he can bully teams, I don't, don't really see him as a kind of penalty box striker with Cholak is. Um, I think he's he's doing all right where he is, but I, I'm, I wouldn't hang my hat on him leading a, the line at Rangers. Ross, um, Malky brings up a, a good point. Enough height in the team on physical players. We have a small team, Raskin, five foot ten. Not sure what height Todd Cantwell is, but I'm going to assume he's not good and he's not great in the air. That might be a stereotype, given the type of player that I think he is. Um, but I was surprised to learn that Morgan Whitaker is six foot three. Um, it was Ali Bain actually that that told me that this morning. Um, I watched a little bit of him. I, I must say I wasn't struck by his height. Um, I'm not sure he's that type of player who's going to be a, a target man, etc. But he seems to be very fast, very athletic, a right-footed player. Sorry, a left-footed player who plays on the right, which most fans have been crying out for for a very long time. You can sort of see how that will work um, in terms of cutting in and, and having a having a shot, etc. So again, that is a gap that most play, most fans probably wanted filled. I have to admit, his name, as I said, came from left field. I'm not sure quality levels, etc. He does have 16, 17 goals and assists in League One uh, over four or five months, which is a decent return. We can debate League One's quality, but he is one of these ones that Martin's talking about, of a player who maybe lost his way at Swansea, I'm not sure, but they've brought him back to sell him because he's he's at peak level. We can argue whether should he be good enough for Swansea if he's not good enough for us, all that sort of stuff, but I think that's a bit simplistic. Um, putting him in that team in that slot, again, you can see that might be sensible recruitment, that might be a slot to rotate in there with Sakala, someone who maybe is a little bit more, um, don't want to say of the finished article, but maybe has a little bit more finesse than Sakala might have in his in his worst moments. Yeah, no, I, I think that's entirely fair. I remember 
watching back a couple of months ago, just one of those kind of championship games that you throw on. And I actually do remember being quite struck by the lad's talent because exactly that. He was playing out in the right, cutting inside, scoring with his left foot. He scored a wonderful goal that day, I believe it was against Ipswich. And you're right, his output isn't really in question because we can debate the relative merits of, of League One as a, as a quality of league, but sort of kicking the shirt off we're offering up here. So in terms of that, I've not got no complaints there either. I think it does tick a lot of boxes in terms of sensible recruitment. And you're mentioning his height there, he's six foot three, he's tall, he's athletic, good technical ability, can finish like we talked about his output. That pretty much is gold dust, to be honest. You don't often get that as a kind of holistic package. The problem is obviously, as has been very widely noted today, is that Swansea um, and Rangers don't seem to be having a lot of joined up thinking with regards to the fee. And there is the threat currently that if Morgan Whitaker plays on Saturday, then he can't sign for us or anyone else for the rest of the season because he's already played for, for two clubs. Whether Swansea want to stick to that, if they have recalled him truly to sell him, is possibly a different matter. They might just be trying to, to kind of bluff Rangers to force our hand, I'm not entirely sure. But he definitely, again, fits that kind of profile that I think we should be looking at. And like I say, if you're getting that kind of output in League One, I don't really see why that would be a barrier to getting similar-ish levels of output up here as well. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, Martin, it's unlikely, I think it's unlikely we'll get announcements in the next 24 hours in terms of, of players coming in, but it's even more unlikely that they will be anywhere near playing uh, on Saturday. So we'll go with the the same team or the same squad for that one. However, once we get past that, we've got three, four games in six weeks, I think, leading up to the cup final. We also have the, the international break in there as well. I don't want to tempt fate because it's Rangers, but that is a sort of perfect spell to, to get some players in get the guys that we're talking about coming back. I think the manager said last week, we can ask again tomorrow, but the manager said last week there's an outside chance that Suter and Hadji will be ready for selection um, a week on Saturday in the St. Johnston game. Um, we might have these players in as well. That is all starting to sort of come together. If we're assuming or hoping that we get two or even three of Raskin, Whitaker and Cantwell, um, it's a decent spell for them to come into the team and get to grips and then they'll have that two-week um, two week break as well, just to really get in and, and understand how we how we play, how we train. It is his hearts on the, the start of February. Is that the only yeah, only midweek game we've really got for a while? It's huge because managers talk about this all the time. We, you know, G obviously talked about it last year a lot that because we're successful in, in, in Europe, that you, it's it's really just ticking over, um, looking at real specifics about a better, higher quality of, of, of team, and that, that's where the focus was, because you didn't have time for anything else. Um, that's obviously very different now, and it, yeah, I think you're right. It's um, an ideal situation, if there are two, if there are three, um, for the manager, who might look at this then as as that we needed to get through this this spell um yep. coming back after the world cup um so many games in you know the worst part of the year obviously in scotland uh, mm. just in terms of um conditions of pitches and, and, and weather and whatever else that's over now we're going to do some some proper work on a weekly basis because i have time to do that and i can incorporate um new players new ideas maybe start to try um some some new things just because he's got the, the the time to do that so um yeah i i would agree that if if this business even some of the business that we're talking about comes off then you, you're entering a spell where it's it's not right you need to hit the ground running because we're in a cutthroat two games a week kind of situation and that, that's that's obviously not the case so yeah no i 
And I think we do underplay that. My manager said himself, he's had more games than than training days um, since he came into to the to the job. That will disappear um, in two weeks' time because he will just have one a week for reasons that we wouldn't prefer. But stands <laughs> it can be a benefit out of a negative. Um, Ross, we do have difficult game on on Saturday. We're not great at, at, at Perth. We we know that we're currently not great at stringing together a ninety minute performance. It looks like it will be. Um, the same squad uh, as I said I don't think we have any new injury concerns I think Cholak um, was touching goal uh, for the game um, last night whether or not he comes in we'll have to wait and see felt like the manager was saying Roof would not be um, available for this one given the whatever that is a bruise or, or, or something so in terms of what you, you would like to see um there are some players in there, particularly in midfield, who are a little bit walking wounded. I guess we could assume that it's pretty obvious that Ryan Jack will come in for maybe Scott Arfield. Uh, Tillman will probably come back in for... Um, no, Ryan Jack will come in for Glenn Kamara. Tillman will probably come back in for, for Scott Arfield. Is there anything else that you think we, we need to see? Or, or are you happy um, that the front three is going okay and that back four, if not back five, but that back four um, are probably... Um, getting a run of games just now to try and get the benefit I mean picking the Rangers starting lineup the now is probably the easiest job in football um, because we are the walking wounded and we don't have options quite frankly um, so there, you're asking me what I'd like to see there's, there's not an awful lot else that you've not mentioned that you really can to be honest you're, you're yeah. right Tillman will probably come back into the side because I do believe even though we done quite well last night we do miss Tillman when he's not in the team you seen even when he, he came into the side and he really scored got that shot away you can definitely see the output that Tillman brings I think the team gets lifted a lot when Tillman's on the pitch I think he definitely is one of those players who demands the ball and can be a driving force it's not always going to come off but we do miss that a lot in a team with not a lot of dynamism in it Ryan Jack will probably come into the squad like you said maybe make a case for dropping Ryan Jack back in the kind of John Lundstrom role and putting maybe a Charlie McCann in there. It's not going to happen. I'm just kind of saying that as something that possibly could. So you're right. I mean, there's not an awful lot more you can really say on the kind of start in 11. It's the same conversation we've been having for the last six weeks because that's pretty much what we've been left with. When we do have those potential and hopeful signings coming in, that's a much different conversation. Certainly a much more exciting conversation. You're right, actually, Stephen Sands could possibly come in. I think John Lundstrom's definitely in need of a rest there. He could definitely make that kind of case and I'd be a wee bit more interested actually in seeing Sands in that role. But there isn't an awful lot of options there. So when we do get these hopeful new signings over the line, then this is a much more exciting conversation. But until that point, we're kind of stuck saying the same thing over and over and over again until that point comes. Yeah, Martin, I think the only two other talking points with regards to the 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 lineup I guess Sands over Lundstrom I know you've been a big fan but I think we're both of the same opinion that he hasn't been great uh, over recent weeks but could we see Adam Devine coming in for either fullback um maybe not in a in a cup tie I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that both fullbacks are delivering numbers but one is not playing to the level that he probably should be and the other one fans just seem to veer wildly with Barisic that mistake again in the cup the semi-final it's just a scar tissue that opens up again and again um, he was the one I think as you mentioned last night very very obvious with his crossing until he wasn't until he got an assist and I think that pretty much sums, sums him up so it's, it's law of averages um, we will range a lot more of the ball than Kilmarnock and if we, we ping loads of them in I just, it doesn't mean that 
that's the plan that we we do this eighteen times a night, and 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 if you know one comes off, then then, then great. Um, you could see Adam Devine. I I don't think we will. I think Beal seems to be quite protective of Borna um, in yep. terms of his uh, outward um, conversations. Uh, you're right, fans Fans are not going to change their mind on, on Borna Barisic now, and it becomes one of these things we talked about earlier. Um, not just his, his issue with the, um, the, the, the goal at Hamden, but the substitution again, minutes before a possible penalty shootout for, what, the fourth time. Um, I'm surprised that, that, I'll be honest, there hasn't been more made of that. Who cares? We won and blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, that, that, that's just one of those things. I don't think he will. Lundstrom, I can't go over how bad he is with the ball at the moment. I don't mean raking long passes that aren't quite coming off. I'm talking simple, 5-10 yard numbers. Yeah. Um, but again, I think, and listen, this is a criticism of the manager. Every manager has favourites because they kind of have to. They have to cling on to something as a, as a, as yep. a structure. And I, I think at this moment in time, um, Lundstrom will still play. Um, and because, listen, the Cups are important to Beal um, in, in order to, to build something to take into the summer. Um, McLeish, 2002, for example. Um and it just it just builds and it just gives you something. So I, I can't see him messing about um, in terms of um, experimentation um, on on Saturday. I think it will be um, a different goalkeeper. And and you're right. I don't think Jack. I don't think Lundstrom and Camaro play. I think Jack will come in. Although I don't think Camaro was dreadful last night. I thought he was all right. I thought it was all right. Yeah, there was a, a few moments where he was getting up and he was linking play and and. and doing what he did against maybe Leipzig probably the last time we've we seen that, maybe the only time in, in the last 18 months. So, um, but the horror yeah. the horror of Glenn Kamara starting at six, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's just not what, what can happen. So that, that that's not really the conversation. It's not, is it, it's not Kamara or Lunch, you know, Lundstrom. Lundstrom is going to play without Stephen Davis. Lundstrom is, is, is pretty much going to anchor that midfield, no? So yeah. we, we can't, after Parkhead and Fabry, I don't care who we're playing. Kamara's not, he's not doing that role. We can fit in to him. A midfield, um, but he's that, that's the issue, right? Lundstrom is, is going through the worst form. We don't have options, no, we have a pot. No way is James Sands knocking in any door to demand, um, that he he should start, um, a game for Rangers, especially an important cup game in that important role. No, no danger has he done enough to, to, to make that an absolutely compelling case. So, we just don't have the options that we can. We can absolutely hang your hat on that. That's that's just where we are. Yeah, uh, I think it is. Um, I think the manager is obviously very, very open with everything he says. But I think from that, then um, journalists and ourselves, when we're at the press conferences, maybe start to get a little bit bolder, and we start talking specifically uh, about players, as you've seen with the, the transfers. Sometimes that can then end up um, being a little bit of a red herring. But I think with the players themselves, because he is so verbose and he'll, he'll, he'll say things and he'll give you kind of what you want. I don't think we should take everything that is said as, as gospel because on the flip side, he's not going to turn around and say, no, I'm not a big fan of Orna. I can't wait to get Yilmaz back or we need someone in in the summer. Similar with the keepers as well. So I think there's a little bit of politics there. Um, it wouldn't be great to say, 
Because he's rubbish, isn't he? <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. He's not got a right foot. So um, yeah, I think just because something gets said maybe off the cuff in a press conference, I don't know whether we take that as as he is the answer going forward, which is which is fair enough. Okay, um, I think that will do us for tonight. Um, thank you very much for joining me on the live comeback, Martin. Oh, pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, listeners, viewers. Um, yeah, good to see you. Whoever is here. And Ross, thank you very much. Delight, mate. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Martin. Listeners, viewers, thanks very much. And if it's not seared into your brain after 55 minutes of that ticker, you can sign up to uh, Patreon, heartandhand.co.uk forward slash Patreon. Five podcasts a day from just one ninety nine per month. We will be at the press conference tomorrow, Michael Beale, one thirty. Um, where we will see what is happening transfer-wise. We'll get some more information on um, the comings and goings there, uh, as well as some team news, etc. That will be available on tomorrow's daily update. Um, if you haven't joined, please consider it. Uh, join about 6,500 other people who are enjoying it very, very much. Um, if not, David will be back on Monday uh, to recap Saturday's um, game against St. Johnson and hopefully discuss uh, a signing or two. Um, and we'll see you then. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.